0: Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1302 of the Lawton Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, Coming to you on a Monday evening into Tuesday today's podcast is myself and Brian Schroeder talking about the NBA draft, actually part one of two that you're about to watch or listen to right now. This is a two-parter. This is part one you're about to dive into. A little bit of talk about the 2022 draft and A.J. Griffin coming to the Hawks, as well as some lottery stuff, summer league takeaways, and more. And then from there, we pivot to 2023, a look ahead there, Victor Womignano, Scoot Henderson, all kinds of the top prospects in next year's class. So stay tuned for part two, but this is part one. Please listen to the podcast. Please follow Brian's work across platforms, subscribe to the show. And after the intro with myself and Brian Schroeder on the NBA draft. You are locked on Hawks. Your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I am joined now by a recurring guest of the podcast, someone I appreciate very much in the NBA draft space and beyond. Brian Schroeder is here to talk about the draft and other things. What's going on, Brian?
1: It's hot. <laughs> it's muggy. No, it's not hot.
0: It's late summer. Uh, school's back in where I'm from. I don't know how it is up there, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, it is what it, it's. It's that time of year. We're getting closer to the season. Uh, we're recording this couple days before it's gonna come out but uh it's just uh we're getting it's the, the it's sort of the dead zone is over ish now we're almost <laughs> right in the corner, it's still there but uh you know we're getting we collect like, guys are the way i've been saying if people like you appreciate this people that are like close to the nba people are kind of coming back to work now in the way mm-hmm. they weren't going uh, like with teams and stuff people are like actually around for the first time in like a month so uh we're almost there we'll see
1: three weeks from now we'll be it'll <laughs> we'll be close <laughs> Back in swing. There'll be training camps and stuff getting going, and it'll be more media different.
0: days and things but yeah uh as uh, as usual not always but as usual when i have you on the podcast we're talking about some, some draft stuff today and a lot of it's going to be about 2023 sort of a first look on this program for next year's draft but i do want to ask you while i have you here about what the hawks did in this last draft uh, you were on the show before the draft of course before we knew what the hawks were actually going to do um but now that we know especially the edgy griffin pick i know he didn't play in summer league but you have seen edgy griffin uh probably more than I don't know. Most people in the world have seen him. So you are very qualified to offer analysis that is uh, not not reliant on summer league. So uh, what did you make of that pick in the fit with AJ in Atlanta? I know it's been a little I while mean, now, but all that- he
1: was in he was in my top five. So I can't criticize it in any way. It makes sense. It's it's a it's a safe ish pick for them, because like if he just if he doesn't develop any more burst, doesn't get any of the back, it doesn't. I mean, he's a good ball handler, it's the thing, now. Like He's already good at creating little spaces. But if he doesn't become, like, a, a, a attack guy off the dribble, like a creator, he's still a 6'6", 230 guy who's, like, going to be a... I mean, I can't imagine he's not at least, like, a high 30s three-point shooter. Like He's an excellent shooter. Yep. People have concerns about the release. It's a weirder release, but the thing with him is he's so big. Like, like I said this, like, his feet are so far apart, and his feet can be... Like, if you contest him, you're going to foul him. Like... It's just like you can't get that. You can't really like fly at him because you're just going to hit him, and foul him, and he'll probably make the shot. So he's going to do that. He's fine on defense. Like he's a little slow footed and slow to react sometimes, but I think he can play up with the Jay Crowder style. Like put him on like a, I mean, put him on like a PJ Tucker guy. He's not going to be. He'll rebound. He'll, he's deep he passes. Like even if he's just that, that's a good 14 pick. Like you got oh, a guy yeah. who should, who should play a minute, who can play minutes in the playoffs and like, He basically got like, what if Tony Snell was big, and like
0: (laughs) Hawks legend Tony Snell,
1: pretty good. Like, yeah, I think most playoff teams would take a guy like, even if he's your like eighth, ninth man. And then, I personally, I love the opinion I have been for a while that he's going to develop like real counter moves and real, because the thing, the only thing holding him back from being like an elite self creator in college was that he just didn't really drive in straight lines. He kind of took wide routes around guys and was, like afraid to commit off its fouls. You know, sometimes I think early in the season was afraid to test to bang his knee because he had a bone bruise in it. That's what kept yeah. him out for a little while. And that's, you know, I have a bruise on my leg right now. It doesn't even bother me, but I'm still like trying not to move it in. You just don't want to bump it it's not comfortable when your knee when your leg looks like a banana. You don't want to <laughs> you don't want to bump into stuff. So I, I think he will be I mean if he's like your fourth guy, if he steps into the herder creation stuff and does that well monster steel, like just enormous steel could do a lot of the stuff. Deandre Hunter does with the ball. If you can do that, he's a top six, seven player in this class. Cause he's going to shoot. He will defend up his, he's not going to be defending guards, but I don't know if they need that guy. I mean, everyone needs more of those guys, but I think the Hawks are fine there. And yeah, like I said, he's just, he's young. He's significantly less experienced. Like basketball age is even younger than he is. Cause he basically missed the two full seasons. So, at 14, there's, like, no downside. If he yeah, doesn't that's... become, like, a second-level star, he's just going to be a, a 3D guy. Just like a guy off the bench shoot, shoots threes and, and is big. Like, nothing wrong with that.
0: For sure. And I think that... Uh... That, that's important context. You know, I preach this all the time. I know you did too. Like it, it, doesn't matter where you get drafted in terms of like expectation level. It, you know, a couple of years from now, no one's going to remember where people went drafted unless it was some crazy thing. But um, if you invest in a guy um, in, where the Hawks picked AJ Griffin and he becomes a quality role player, that's a win. Um, and obviously he has a lot of upside beyond that. Uh, you mentioned sort of a bridge, something else I want to ask you about, but you mentioned him missing like two years. Um, we're all guessing on the outside, but as soon as he missed summer league, it was like, Oh, injury prone. <laughs> and it's like well he, he's had a lot of injuries for sure. This is uh this is a guy who actually has had a bunch of injuries. But like do you did you worry about that evaluating him in this draft? Like, no, youth, I think so the injury too, which probably uh, informs you more than most.
1: <laughs> well, his injury history is a little it's a little bit of a misnomer. It's not he, he missed two full years, but it's not like the Embiid thing where his body exploded. Yeah. He, he hurt his knee in uh, between sophomore and junior year and that was like a bad I think it was a dislocated knee, it was his other knee. And that was like a that was like a significant injury he missed some time. He didn't have to have surgery or anything. But the second injury when he hurt his ankle, that was the covid year. He played in the New York Public League, which right. was had extremely high covid restrictions. And he was out he was supposed to be out like 3 weeks and his camp just decided he wasn't going to play. So he didn't miss that season due to injury. He got hurt and then sat out the rest of the year. And then he banged his knee in practice and missed like three practices at Duke. And, was a little tentative for like the first five games. He didn't miss a game. He played every game for Duke. So he did, yeah. Which I think people have. I think if you ask people like if he
0: played all season, people would say no, just because of all the buzz around the injuries mm-hmm. with Griffin. But no, it's it's good context. And you know, the COVID year is going to be uh, something people. And we talked about this a lot before the draft too. But like where guys were, like where guys actually were playing, what states, what yeah. locales they were in, that all that all mattered a lot. And um, Payton he played was, in L.A.
1: Yeah. They didn't. They didn't play for almost two years, so he didn't get to play. And,
0: Right. And Palo I mean, didn't play as much as other people did. So, you know, mm. it, it was one of those things, but now Griffin, especially because as you well know, like people, always, I was mean, before the injury, the first injury, he was number one on some boards. Like he was cemented already. didn't need to play. um, mm. was already going to be going, already going to be going to Duke and was set up. So like there was a little bit less pressure on him to play and all that stuff too. So yeah. I thought it was just yeah. important to ask you about that. Cause I know you've always liked him along the way and, you know, Obviously, not going to be. Uh, he, he was never. He's never going to go in the top five of the, of the draft. But uh, I was surprised when it happened when he slipped to the Hawks. I know there was kind of the injury um, caveat around, and people kind of assume that's why he fell. I think it might be a little bit of why he fell, but I think for the most part, it's just kind of every year somebody falls, and he was the guy that fell.
1: Yeah, and I think he. I not want to speak ill of the departed, but uh, Mastrasciavsky did not use him. He was not a guy that no, you could tell fig, did not figure into their offense. He just stood around. Got passes, but he had a lot of late shot clock plays where he would just dig four, four or five dribbles and shoot like a six, a seven foot step back. It looked crazy, but <laughs> it's very obvious that the two games that Shire coached, the one game specifically, which was the it was either Wake or Georgia Tech, I think it was Wake. Yeah, it was Wake because they played a lot of Williams, where he was having AJ like set screens and and run off flares and like run Duncan Robinson actions, and he had 27 points and he was a monster. There you go. He, he took I think he took like 11 threes. Like he was they were the usage was cranked way up for him. And he looked like a top five foot pick. Like he was a monster in that game. Crossing people over, like dump offs, all this stuff. Like he was he looked awesome. And I think there's some burst. Like I think part of it was Coach K wasn't sure how healthy he would be because he definitely has lost some burst from his knee originally. And that can come back, but he just didn't play. So his body changed. I mean, imagine not playing from 16 to 18, really.
0: Pretty and big like, years developmentally.
1: Yeah, so he may not get that, and if that burst doesn't come back, then he's going to be on the lower end of sort of the developmental curve to set up for him. But like I said, that's that player is still an NBA player. Like right, the shoot the shooting. Here's a lot. It's not hard at all to see him be like a, a Jay Crowder type, or a, like a um, late career Shane Battier type in Miami. It just like sh- just shoots threes, like eighty percent three point rate, grabs rebounds, makes smart rotations, like that kind of power forward. Like I think he'd be great, but if if the burst comes back, he's a two, three, four. He's a three position guy, and he's just way too strong. Like he's he's huge. He's it, already he's his, already huge. Just turned nineteen, his, so yeah, his strength is is incredible. Like his several times team tried to cross match and like post him up, and it, it wasn't happening. <laughs> he got his stonewalled like so many. I think Armando Baycott tried to post him up and he just like didn't move. And Baycott was like, oh, just shot a hook. Like every team tried to and and you, you get him moving and get his feet moving and you can kind of like get him off balance because he's not like Shaq, but you know, he had some Zion was the same way. Like Zion's defense was a little overrated, dude, because people would run. Well, people tried to run plays at him for the first four or five games, and they realized that he would block their souls out of their bodies so they stopped. But he right he still had those a few ISOs in, in against like North Dakota State guys that look like playing against your dad. That's what Adrian Griffin does sometimes. And <laughs> he'll do it. He'll do it. If he gets cross matched onto a I don't know uh like a Gabe Vincent or something and they tried to like post him up, he's just gonna pick him up and move him out of the paint. Like it's gonna be embarrassing.
0: He's pretty uh pretty strong. There is more with myself and Brian coming in a moment. But first, a word from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Are you one of the people who thinks it's okay to drive stone? What's the worst that could happen? You end up driving below the speed limit. It's no big deal, right? Well, that's really wrong. The truth is your reaction time slow way down when you're high. You not only put yourself in danger, but everybody around you in danger as well. Talk about a buzzkill. Stop kidding yourself. It's not okay at all to drive high. If you're using marijuana in any form, do not get behind the wheel. Be careful as a result of that. If you feel different, you drive different. Drive high and get a DUI. All right, I, I do want to ask you about something that is also tangentially related to last year's draft, quickly, because the news came down before we started recording this in the last you know, day or so. Um, Chet Holmgren is out for the season. It seems like um, mm-hmm. the Thunder have announced that uh, he should be. All of the all of the takes are insufferable, so I'm not going to even go down that path. Um, and I don't really think that there's any evidence that like this is a Chet issue in terms of like this is always going to happen to Chet. I don't know. No, I've I, I, I never I, I had, had an, an injury. That's what so I'm never saying. Had a was, injury, yeah. You know, if, if, if people were just like waiting to pounce on the Chet's injury prone, look at his body, this is why he's hurt stuff. Like, I don't, you know, miss me with that. I'm good. But uh, do, do you do you have any concerns about this long term? Like, I know you were high uh, on Chet, like a people were. So no, because so,
1: this injury, so this is it's hard for people to understand what your midfoot is. Everyone's heard it. Your midfoot, this injury is it's a jockey injury, it's one that like if your feet get caught. It's why a lot of football players break the least frank, because their foot plants and they're you know, you're up on your foot like this, and your foot plants, and then your turns. And that's how it breaks. He didn't break the bone, he tore that ligament. That ligament does not connect to the other toes, it connects to the center of your foot. So if that is messed up, you can't like your arch, it's not supported.
0: You can't do anything. Yeah.
1: That's why this is that's why that's why he's out so long. The positive thing is uh, medical science is pretty good at repairing ligaments now. Like tendons can be iffy. Ligaments, like the ACL ACL is not an issue. Like guys come back from it all the time, and that's a much more crucial ligament to the name. Crucial. <laughs> um, so this should – it's just it, he's, he's not going to be able to really walk or rehab for five to six months, so he just can't play this year. Like it's yeah. not – you can't ask him to come back and ramp up to full game conditioning – I mean, he, he, maybe he could play in April and they're not going to need it.
0: Why why would they do that? Exactly. There's no (laughs) reason to do that. And that's, it's smart by them to come out now and just say he's out for the season. Uh, yeah. It's a very delicate area. That way nobody asks him. That way nobody asks. If you just do the indefinitely thing, like some teams do, I always hate that because like Mm -hmm. if you, if for some reason, and I think this is not going to happen, if for some reason they wanted to play in March, uh, they could just play him and like no one's going to complain if you said he's out yeah. if you said he's out for yeah. the season. If you go the other way and say that a guy's out indefinitely, people are going to ask you every 2 weeks well, about guy's status. Yeah, and it's just like you can't win. So mm-hmm. just rule the guy out and we'll see what happens.
1: Yeah, and the injury I mean it's not really I've seen it, but some of the takes the the worst one is this idea that the, it's somehow that like the floor the pro amps fault. It's the opposite of that. Like he it's not a slippery floor. If the floor was slippery his foot would not have yeah, like he didn't planted, slide. and yeah. and so if it's, his foot had slid, he probably would have just like fell on his knees or something and maybe hurt his knee. But like that's not uh, slippery floors do not tear ligaments because ligaments have to be they have to catch your foot has to. That's what I said it's like a jockey injury. It's like your foot falls and gets caught in a stirrup, right? It has to be locked in to tear a ligament. That's how you tear ligaments. That's why it was just the perfect score knee like, shake. Yeah,
0: yeah, it was perfect. I mean, the whole narrative thing, like especially because that that day they closed they closed down the game like mm-hmm. in the same game mm-hmm. and so if, if that's all you know is chad holmgren year-long injury same game as this pro got shut down like it's a pretty natural like narrative thing to be like oh it had to be it had to be the court's fault and I, i'm with you i mean from all that we know i don't think it was the courts. i fault. mean i
1: thought that i heard that and i thought that like, no, you I, see the everybody video. Did. yeah if you, you see the watch, video if and... you
0: watch it yeah it doesn't, it doesn't yeah. make sense um if you watch it and listen to the, like listen to people that are smarter than we are about injury stuff like it's, that's not what happened i don't think so anyway i wanted at least ask about that because it was kind of top but uh but. i did
1: well i did want to tie it into one thing yeah i think people with chet because mobley had those concerns too like he, how's he gonna handle it physically with like centers and that's skinny i mean it's it's a little bit it's it's like well you know sometimes you hear like how's he gonna guard joel and beat it's like Well oh, is anybody gonna charge Embiid. but i think it's fair to say like guy a guy like that playing center full-time will get banged up like that's that's part of why I think center fitters, seven footers, get like a, this misnomer of being injury prone. It's not that they're more injury prone; it's that they get hit more. Yep. Like nobody says that a guard that smaller guards are ACL tear prone, but they tear their they tear their ACLs more because they do they go back and forth like this. They go side to side a lot more. Um, yep. So, like this injury, it's it is kind of a fluke injury. Like you're not really supposed to be able to tear that ligament. Doesn't really matter. Like unless unless it's revealed he has some degenerative ligament condition, which I don't even know what that would be, uh, then it has nothing to do with like it's kind of a fluke injury. The most you can say is that him not having huge leg muscles means that he had to set back on his foot more. But I kind of feel like that would have happened anyway. I mean, or he just would have torn his hamstring. Right, that which was isn't the, any better. Yeah, not that's Tyron Smith. It's not a any better injury. That's no. a nasty injury too. I guess it heals quicker because it's a muscle, but not a good injury. It's just it's um,
0: just it's just obviously no fun. I mean, we were everybody likes Chet. I, I want Chet mm-hmm. to succeed. Uh so and you know, the takes are horrible and all
1: But that what stuff. I wanna what I wanted to say is that it ties into the draft. I think this is a problem that I think I don't want to be like hipstery about it, but I think when you only really catch up with the draft, you only do have a few weeks before it and you kind of catch up. You you gravitate more towards guys who look like what you've seen. Great example is a Cam Reddish type, where he looks like what you think an NBA player looks like. He plays like you, what you think an NBA player plays like. So it's easier for your brain to conceptualize them in the NBA. You know, that's why everyone wants player comps because they want to be like, who's he like? So I can, my brain can figure out what this is. And Chet doesn't really have one. So people just sort of projected no. him as like, as like a premise. But Zion didn't have one. John Morant didn't really, unless you got like Kevin Johnson. Luca didn't really have one. These are all the guys, Trey Young, Shea. These are the weird stars, but, but, but most stars are weird. Like the, the opposite of this is a guy like Keegan Murray, good player, but people, people like Keegan Murray more than I think he deserved because he doesn't have any obvious flaws. So there, there's nothing to pick apart with the way we do where, you know, if a guy is a 32% three point shooter, he can't shoot. Or, you Correct. know, if a guy is, if a guy is six to this he's too small for the NBA or if he's, six eight two sixty he's too big for the NBA. It's like
0: yeah. or or in Chess case seven seven feet one ninety five whatever whatever <laughs> yeah. he is. But
1: it's it's like people it's just strange. It it seems to be pick pick and choose because Zion got it for being six seven two eighty five. Jalen Duran didn't get it for being six eight and a half two seventy. Like he he's two seven. He playing it two in the high two sixties this year. And he didn't get his his body is not too big and strong for for the NBA. Even though he I think looks it's just because like, he's a
0: center. I think that's I yeah. think that's what it is. Like he he looks he looks a lot like a lot of other centers look in yeah. some ways. Um, but you know I I, I think I I haven't, really thought, I haven't really thought about that the way that you put it. But you are right, especially with Chet, even more so outliery. You know, yeah, as skinny as he is, um, top three pick. Like he just inspires the worst takes from people that don't, I don't buy think-
1: I don't like, think it's it's wrong to have that impulse. Like I, I understand the impulse. It's a
0: natural thing. Yeah. I mean, you don't but, but know what really it for
1: be. me. I mean, people have asked me, like, well, how did you know he was good? It's because he's been good everywhere. He's been like comically good everywhere he's played for five years. So like pretty sure he's good. That's really right. the easiest thing to go with. <laughs> like it may be weird, it may not be orthodox, but his size had not has not prevented him from being Chet everywhere he's been does all the same stuff everywhere he's played he did it in college he did uibl he did it at the fiba u20 well, unite teens yeah. he did it summer league like he was he did it in gonzaga everywhere he's been he's played he's been the same guy and he's been good so that's more important to me than having a weird body type for sure um before we
0: move on to 23 uh, I know you are always a close summer league watcher. Uh, anything change in your brain from the draft to summer league? Like anybody like change your mind at all? not like a whole evaluation or anything like that. But I mean, I thought anything, anything stand out to you?
1: I mean, Keegan was really good, but Keegan was also. Was. But but Keegan the, the shooting was a little farther along. That was always the thing I was most interested in. Like, what kind of shooter is he going to be? So, like, Keegan will be good. I have no. I'm not somebody who thinks that Keegan Murray is like a terrible pick at four, or that he's like. Just going to be some guy, I think he'll probably be a starter and he'll be good. It's just the difference of being like Tobias Harris or like I don't know, Paul Millsap. I don't know what the difference is there, but whatever that difference is, that's the question for Hegan
0: to be uh Tobias Harris and probably uh. I don't think he's ever been an all-star. And Millsap was a three- or four-time all-star, yeah. and it is what it is, that little break of uh, the different players. But, no, I think that's right in general about uh, Marie. I was probably a little bit lower on him in general. But uh, going back to what we talked about earlier with AJ, even if he's not a star, if he's a really good starter, fourth pick is like that's a pretty good outcome. Yeah, like, fine, all, yeah, yeah. yeah that's not like going to change your life. What, but, I don't know
1: if that's what the Kings need. but Agreed. That's- that's a different issue. That's <laughs> and, that's an issue part of, and
0: that's part of the problem that I think people were making and they were paying attention to this stuff is like the Kings in particular like kind of don't need – I mean, obviously it's good to have good players, but they kind of just – they needed to swing a little bit potentially mm-hmm. and they didn't mm-hmm. really do that with that pick. But maybe, maybe he becomes – maybe he becomes a three-time All-Star and we're not yeah, – we're I mean, strong. So I don't know. We'll see.
1: I know the intangible. Like the off-court stuff, people just adore him. And that that plays into oh, it. Oh,
0: by all accounts. Yeah. But, like,
1: yeah, it's the Kings are are the best example now. The weirdest thing that happens when you do mocks, and I'm sure you've gotten this, where people will be like, oh, they can't take a guard. They have De'Aaron Fox. And, like, I like De'Aaron Fox, but, like, they aren't good with De'Aaron Fox. Like,
0: Also, they've, like, clearly at least thought about trading De'Aaron Fox at (laughs) some point in the last year. Um,
1: It's like, I mean, you know, obviously, a player has to be a certain... If you have a top five pick, you better have, like either a guy you just drafted or like a guy who was obviously a superstar, like a Agreed. top 20 player. Otherwise you could take anybody like this. People are fans are way too attached to bad cores, Like, or even questionable
0: Knicks, course. Like, yeah.
1: The Knicks, Knicks fans like not wanting to trade Randall two years ago. It's like, are you going to win a title with him? You no. trade him.
0: Well, even, I mean, to bring it back to the Hawks as we're on this podcast, like mm-hmm. Trey is the only guy
1: that mm-hmm.
0: you have to think that way with, like certainly, um, you know, when you I guess a Kong was is a great example of this. So mm-hmm. they took the best guy they wanted to take. They loved a Kongwu. They had Capella on the roster and they didn't care. They took a Con because mm-hmm. they because they wanted a Wu. The only guy on the Hawks roster, I mean, obviously now it's a little bit different with DeJounte, all this stuff, but like in Yeah, Jante maybe. In theory, the only guy you thought about for the last three years as like we have to think about this guy when we're drafting this this player is was Trey, and obviously Trey mm-hmm. has earned that he's a superstar player. Um, you know, if, it, if the Kings are a good example of this, it happens across the league. Like this, you you shouldn't be thinking at that, especially at the top, like you said, a top three, top five pick. If, if the guy in front of them is like the seventy fifth best player in the league, it shouldn't that shouldn't change your mind on a top five. pick.
1: Especially if it it's a guard, because who does, who has one guard? <laughs>
0: Well, and even that's then, obviously, the Trey top was on more about to that too. Yeah, I mean, Trey – Trey. The, well, yeah, you're, that's a good point, actually. But Trey is kind of a weird one in that he is a small point guard. Yeah. And in theory, like, the only thing that you couldn't take with him was another small point guard at yeah. that point in the draft. But even when you get into the teens, like, they could have taken another guard. It wouldn't be the best thing or the worst thing in the world. But basically, small guards and 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 five-only players, like pure centers, are yeah. the guys you can't really, like, take the same position, but – I don't
1: know. Yeah, and even then, you know, when you get into the teens, like pick centers, I don't. Care. Yeah, and this in the teens, fine. I mean, this yeah. is
0: this is really like you said, it's more of a top five pick discussion because at that point, you should just take the guy you think is going to be a star or 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 going to yeah. be awesome, yeah, no matter what.
1: And that player was Jaden Ivy, and they didn't take him. <laughs> and I think they will look <laughs> right
0: it. And there you have it on that. Um. All right, let's pivot to twenty three a little bit. I, I want to start very broad on this and ask you, like, kind of the strength of the class. I think I probably ask you this every year we talk about the first class. Mm-hmm. But, like, compare compared to even, like, 22, but even compared to a typical class, like how good right now, it's obviously it's very early, late August or September. How, how good do you think this class is overall? Obviously, there's a lot of attention at the top, which we'll get into. But uh, Right now,
1: it's not quite as good as 18, but it's the best since right now. Okay. And we'll see. There, Some of the freshmen will disappoint. There is a little bit of a concern. There's not as many obvious breakout second year guys. Like last year, Ivy. At this point, Ivy was a breakout guy. Johnny Davis was a breakout guy. Keegan was a breakout guy. Yeah. Uh, I mean a lot of guys. There were there were a lot of even a guy I'm like Jalen Williams was like, ooh, this guy's interesting. I didn't know I, I don't think anyone said lottery pick, but like No, I'm,
0: I'm not gonna give your board away. Um, but <laughs> I, I think a lot I mean, of I, I, think a lo- I think a lot of people uh don't have basically any returners in, like, the top 12, 13, 14 picks this year right Mm -hmm. now. Obviously, it's Mm -hmm. somebody will pop. Somebody always does. But, like, it's very possible this is a very, very heavy one-and-done slash OTE slash Ignite slash European draft.
1: Last year had the most one-and-dones ever taken. So it's only going to get – and and they should have. Like, again, Josh Minot should have been drafted. Peyton Watson should have been drafted. Caleb Houston, I think, should have been drafted. I think he was drafted about where he should be. Yeah. Um, so like, yeah, it it just makes more sense. I'm glad teams seem to be understanding or at least buying more, putting more resources into the idea that like if a guy has something now, it's better for him if we I think the G League has been established to the point where teams feel comfortable sending a guy there, is what I'm saying. Like the Hawks, I think, were very comfortable with sending Jalen Johnson down and knowing that he was gonna get to do weird Jalen Johnson stuff
0: just, and just play I mean by the way I've said this before but uh Griffin's gonna be there too I'm pretty confident at some point yeah he may not be there as much as Johnson was last year but Griffin's gonna be in in College Park at some point this season I'm pretty confident in that and that's okay and like, like you said the stigma's kind of gone like I remember I won't name the player mm-hmm. but there was a player early when I was covering the Hawks that got sent to the G League that was a first round pick and was not happy like it was it was kind of a blow up behind the scenes and now like that doesn't really happen to guys. Like yeah. it is, it's pretty, it's pretty typical now that if you're not a top ten pick, especially if you're a one and done on a pretty good team, people are just used to it. Or always, they kind of bake it in. They're probably not thrilled about it, but like, go down there and play, get your numbers, get get, get some more reps, and like play basketball. There are
1: guys who want to go down there. Like a, a lot of the Bulls guys wanted to go down there last year, especially one who may may not be on the roster anymore, <laughs> who shouldn't be. Sorry. Sorry, the
0: the, the Hawks made a big deal out of it, too, like in a proactive, like complimentary way when they basically went. This is Nate McMillan talking in public. They went to Sharif and Jalen and were like, you know, you guys choose. Like, do you want to be on you? Do you want to be around us for the next however long and basically not play like we're going to tell you now you're not going to play? Or do you want to go to the G League and play 30 minutes? And I think they both chose to go to the G League at different points because they wanted to play. So it's kind of the same thing. Like, I mean, if you, especially if you make it clear, and I think teams should be clear with their players like this, just be realistic. Like, okay, let's say the next 10 days, next this homestand, whatever it is, you're not going to play unless two guys get injured or two foul trouble things. Like, you're probably not going to play. So how about you go to the G League and play 30 minutes a night for four games? Like, it
1: seems to make sense to
0: me. I don't know. Mm-hmm.
1: I think most players would relish the idea to like, hey, I'm gonna get like a 27 usage if I go play in the GTA, <laughs> yeah. no matter who I am. Like, I yeah, it's gonna be really interesting. Uh, it's getting more and more like I think it's it's become, no matter what NBA 2K says, they haven't updated their dialogue stuff in like 11 years. Um, it's somewhere people, it's not it's not an insult anymore. It's not like, no. a, I think once guys like Oladipo started going there for rehab, it was like, oh, okay it should be like minor league baseball where like you have yeah. to go the there sometimes.
0: Agreed. I don't know. Especially again, especially if you're not a, I mean, it's very rare that like a top, top, top pick ends up going there. Cause they're yeah. usually on bad teams and they end up playing a lot.
1: Wiseman but, like, did as a rehab thing. So like, yeah, but know.
0: exactly. Same thing. Injury, injury rehab. Um, but and occasionally a guy, you know, will pop down there for a minute, but yeah, I think if you're not drafted in the lottery, expect to be in a G league at some point, if you're on a good team. Um, so you talked about it being maybe the best class this 2018. That's that's pretty high praise in some respects. Is it a depth thing? Is it just a top tier talent thing? Like, is it is this top heavy in your mind, or is there real like is a, how, how's the depth compare? It's a too? little
1: top heavy, but this like like last year like 2022, there's just a lot of six six to six eight guys around, and it always helps depth. Like I have I have Chris Livingston who's going to Kentucky at in the 30s, and like he's pretty good. He can shoot. He's six, six He's going to Kentucky. Like not a super athlete, but like he's a prospect. And I think he'd be a guy who in some other drafts would be in the late teens a lot of places. In some places may have him there. I don't I don't love him, but I think he has rehabbed his his ability a little bit. And like he can play. Uh let me think of another guy. Like uh, Julian Strother is like in the 40s for me. And like Julian Strother is a three-year college player, can shoot, plays against Gonzaga, success yeah, He he
0: almost he almost left last year by all accounts. Mm. Like he was thinking about leaving. And yeah, I mean if that guy I don't think he's in, I don't think he's fantastic, but if he's uh, if he's down in your second round right now, like that's a pretty mm-hmm. good sign for the class. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I know there's a guy that uh, I wanted to ask you about at some point, and his name is Jet Howard from Michigan, who is six uh, seven and uh, by all accounts pretty highly touted internally, and like he's not supposed to go in the first round necessarily. And I think that's yeah. a guy that like could very well be a first round pick at some point um, mm-hmm. that would be in a lot of drafts, you know, top twenty at this point. Oh so yeah, he's like got 35.
1: pedigree, and he's. He's going to play Carmelo Anthony in a movie.
0: Is he actually doing that?
1: I don't know. if it, I think it's still happening. Oh, I saw definitely. the photos for it. So, yeah. He's playing Carmelo.
0: This is, for people that don't know, this is, this is Juwan Howard's son, who's going to be his playing, younger, playing, playing son, at yeah. Michigan this year um, and is maybe going to be their best non-Hunter Dickinson player. So...
1: Yeah, so, I and mean, he was. I remember hearing about him, and he was like six three, six four, and it was like he's a lights out shooter. And then the next time I saw him, he was like six six, two twenty five. I we was like, oh, okay. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's it, it. It guy. helps to be, it helps to be big. Um, but you know, okay. So there's depth, and then there's the top. So I want to go to Victor. Oh, the
1: other. I would say the other really standout thing for this draft is, um, like just a lot of like f- super athletes. Like there's just a lot of crazy athletes in this class. Jordan Walsh is a crazy athlete. My guy KO a- by the yeah. way. Yeah. My guy KO akabundu Ehiogu, going to Memphis is maybe the best athlete in basketball overall.
0: Whoa, whoa. Okay. Uh
1: he's like a well he was a NAI he didn't play college basketball he didn't play high school basketball. He came over to America when he was in his teens, never played basketball. And he grew to but he grew to six nine like 210. He has a seven wingspan and has a 41 inch standing bird. Um, there's video of him grabbing the top. There's a video of him grabbing the top of the backboard. So, like, he barely played basketball at all. He's only played for like four years, but he had like four, a 14 block percentage last year at UTA going to Memphis. If he does that at Memphis, he's going to be a first rounder for me because he's like just an unnatural athlete. <laughs> like, it doesn't look guy was doing like windmills from outside, like. Like, jumping from, like, the square, doing windmills. Like, yeah, if that guy's any good at basketball, he's going to get drafted. That's just, like, a second-round guy. Like, there's so many. The top – my top seven, really my whole top group except for Nick Smith are all, like, maybe Dariq Whitehead are all, like, super athletes. Like, crazy top percentile athletes. And that's really – that's the big thing for this draft. That the last two drafts didn't really have, like – scotty's a cool athlete but i wouldn't say he's like super explosive no not at all franz kate, kate cunningham really just like ivy as far as my top top guys last few years are like super athletes powell is a pretty good athlete
0: but... he is but not, not necessarily like the most explosive guy like he's mm-hmm. really he's a good athlete for being 610 and whatever is like, 260 or whatever he is but like yeah yeah I, I, you're right i think the last couple of years, the only guys coming to mind right now of like the top, top guys that was like that was Ivy. Um, mm-hmm. obviously, had Ant the year before that, yeah. he was a great athlete, but um, yeah, the last two, I mean, last year's draft, you think about the top guys, like Chet is obviously really good athletically, Blue, like really elite.
1: elastic, but he's yeah, not, yeah,
0: Jabari, same thing, not this like crazy athlete by any means. Um, Cade definitely not that way. Uh, no, I, that's actually a good, I haven't thought about that. It's a good point,
1: yeah, it's, cool. it's a different level because. Even when Benyama, there are concerns, you know, with like his frame, although I think his frame is decent for a guy that size, but when Benyama is a crazy athlete, like he's not going to have crazy vert, but he also doesn't, you're seven before. who cares? But he just has like, we could talk about him. He just has like the movement. The way he moves is not the way that seven footers are supposed to move. Like, it's just not natural. It doesn't look right. It's freakish. Um, And he's like a good, like he can run. He can one or two foot jump for a seven foot four guy, which is wild. Um Scoot is probably the best guard athlete since John Wall. Timber Divey, really. Yeah. Scoot is like a Baron Davis level guard athlete. It's just like he's going to he's going to put you in the ground level athlete. Crazy athlete. And you know, the idea with Scoot Sterling Scoot Henderson from the G League Ignite. The idea <laughs> with Scoot is that he's six two and a half, six three. But I I don't know if you were with me. He was at Summer League 2021. That guy is built like Takio Spikes. That guy is huge.
0: No, oh, he's very big. Yeah.
1: He's, his shoulders are gigantic. And he's he's 200, 210, and is like a super athlete, like super power athlete. And the thing with Scoot is like the shooting, I know the shooting, he shot 23% from three in like 17 G League games. He also shot almost over 48% on all pull-up jumpers. He will be fine. That's a Chris Paul level pull-up ability he will shoot fine you don't have to worry about him shooting um and if, if he shoots if he's a 33 it's like the jaw thing if he's a decent if you have to come out on him to guard him when he's shooting you, you lose like he's gone he's past you um he's a monster athlete as a cam whitmore is 6 235 and has some of the most vicious dunks you will ever see in your life <laughs> he dunks like Zion. He dunks like Zion, but he's smaller and more lithe. If he shoots at all at Villanova, he's like a star forward player. Like he's like I don't even know who described him like bigger Mitch Richmond, <laughs> like just wow. monster, monster athlete. Like he's like he's like the two thousands, like an early two thousands guy. Like if like if Glenn Robinson was like a super athlete, you know that kind of like just power three four scorer type. And then, like, Jairus Walker is a tank. He's less explosive vertically than some of those guys. But Jairus Walker is a monster. Like, he can dribble, pass. He's starting to shoot some. And he's 6'8", 235, and has, like, David West's, like, build. But, was like, handles the ball and goes around picks and stuff. He's crazy. And then, of course, at the top, I mean, Amen and Asara Thompson are probably the two best athletes I have ever seen play basketball. Since I've like been paying attention to grassroots stuff at least, because I I'm sure seventeen year old LeBron is still probably better because he's a mythic figure, but like, right? <laughs> these guys are they play like they have hoverboards on their feet, like they don't move. They move in ways that are not humanly normal. I've seen Amen a- a- Thompson has four or five plays in o- at OTE last year where he picks he picks up his dribble at the three point line, takes two steps, and dunks like Giannis style stuff, but at six seven. And with not even, like, like seven-foot wingspan, like, plus two and a half, plus three wingspan, which is solid, you know, it's good, but not like, it's not like a, a Giannis thing where they just kind of stretch out. They're both, I mean, neither one of them is a very good shooter. is a little bit better, but I have be- full belief in both of those guys. I mean, and then is basically everything I like. And that's the thing that annoys me. Maybe people follow this up more casually is they don't have a type of player that they like. Where guys one year will love Dyson Daniels and then the year, the, but I hate Alonzo balls. Like, well, what do you? It's the same player. <laughs> or like a want? guy who, yeah, like a guy who one year will be like, James Wiseman's going to dominate the paint. And then Jalen, but Jalen Duran can't shoot. It's like, well, what do you want then? Like, I don't know what you, what kind of player do you like? You have to have some kind of internal logic to what you're saying. And my internal logic is that I like tall guards. Do cool layups and make a lot of uh, crazy, superhuman Sharif-style passes. Um, he literally has a Sharif pass where he gets stalled driving to his left, plants off one foot, does a one eighty, and fires a pass to the other corner that a guy that there's no way he saw. Sharif does that pass, and imagine if Sharif Cooper was six foot seven. Um, That'd be helpful. And then, our, and then I need I like guys who are like free safeties on defense, Caruso style, like. Team defenders who make reads and Emma Thompson is. I'm surprised he's not a free safety. I'm surprised that he's from South Florida. I'm surprised he's not Jamar Chase. So, I, so he looks like he should be. He looks like he should be a DK Metcalf style, like monster receiver, but he somehow played basketball. And like, I, I, I Amon Thompson is probably my favorite prospect of all time. And that includes Shea and that includes the ball and that includes aj griffin and cade Jaden ivy like i i think he's my favorite prospect of all time he does things that are not every game even if it's not a positive it doesn't end in a positive play he, he will do things that are i mean i watch a lot of basketball and i think most people who watch a lot of basketball we don't react to it that much like you'll react to cool things you'll be like hey even in person i don't I'm becoming more and more like I'm getting that coach mentality where you just keep watching. You like nod. Oh, that's good. Um, <laughs> and amen does things that I like jump up multiple times. Like it's Zion stuff. Like Zion did that in college where you, you would like react vis- physically react to the things he did. And I love, he's going to be the guy this year that I think people just don't, can't conceptualize. Cause he's just 20% three point shooter. He shot 59% from the line, stuff like that is like a driver finisher, but is not like a he's he's like he's a wing, he's a wing who he's like a I don't know. He's like a like Walt Williams, the wizard. But if he was like a super athlete, that kind of guy, like he he's a, a straight cool up ball life. straight up ball handling wing. They're not really a guard, doesn't play isolation defense. He just kind of sits back and covers gaps. Um like I said, he does. He's, you're not going to be off ball. He's going to have to have the ball all the time. It's the Sharif stuff, but with a larger guy, he's a better athlete at more shooting. Uh, so people are going to have a lot of problems conceptualizing him. Asar is a little easier. Asar is just Jason Richardson kind of player. Like, he is a two, three. he's a 2-3. He's a swing man. He's here to play one-on-one defense and attack the rim and shoot open shots. And it's a good pass. Like, he has a lot of the same traits. He just plays much more aggressively as, like, a scorer. Mm-hmm. That's easier for people to understand. Like I could just say he's like Jason Richardson or Vince Carter ish or like any any Jerry Stackhouse, any of those kind of like early two thousands guard forward Jordan types. That's how he plays. So people are going to understand that. But a man is, I don't know what. I, it's really the only thing I could compare him to is, what if Shea Gildas Alexander was like a ninety ninth percentile human athlete vertically.
0: So he's a pretty good player to me.
1: Yeah, um, he's unbelievable. I he, I can't describe him. He's almost more breathtaking to me than Wembenyama, who is uh, almost not quite. But Wembenyama is like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar levels of like this human being only comes around once every sixty years or so.
0: All right, that is the end of part one. Again, please stay tuned to part two of this podcast with my friend Brian Schroeder about the NBA draft that should be in your feeds right now. Please subscribe to the show, flip on over to part two, and we'll see you all next time.